Mastermind Agent is proud to present the Interview of the Month Club. Top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's rising agent is Andy Mulholland with Remax of Rochester in Rochester, Minnesota. Year to date, he's already closed 44 transactions with a total sales volume of $6.1 million. His average sales price was $136,000, of which 68% were buyers and 32% were sellers. He operates as a sole practitioner. Andy Mulholland has been an agent for only two and a half years, but he's had a quick start. In his first full year, he sold 28 homes. In his second full year, Andy already sold 44 homes and still has one month to go. He got a quick start by pursuing expired listings and for sale by owners. However, Andy became frustrated with chasing after clients. He wanted to turn the tables and have clients chase after him. Andy developed the Handy Andy Realtor business model. Andy provides helpful tips, advice, and information to prospects in exchange for their contact information and permission to provide more help. It's working. Lead count is up, client satisfaction is up, and Andy is happier. Andy describes how he's leveraging the internet to generate and incubate buyer and seller leads. His internet marketing includes websites, blogs, search engine optimization, pay-per-click, Craigslist, Tiger Leads, RealPro Systems, Hootsuite, and more. Andy describes how he's using video, including how-tos, top picks, market updates, and property tours. Listen carefully to the process he uses to create these popular videos and leverage them out to his audience. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Andy. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. Andy, before we start talking about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what did you do before you got into real estate? You know, before real estate, I was also in somewhat of a sales and service position. My father owned a company here locally, and uh, I was on the road actually selling to car dealerships a service, an online marketing service. It was a company called findcars.com, and and uh, I sold that service and then taught the dealers and trained the dealers on how to market their vehicles uh, on the Internet. Why did you decide to get into real estate? You know, it had been something that had kind of been in my family. My grandfather and dad used to build homes in the 70s. My grandpa owned a local brokerage, uh, Midwest Real Estate. And so it's always been something that I had, you know, that's talked about within our family. And, you know, I've ha- I have a rental property as well. So it's kind of been in my my personal life as well. And, and it was uh, for the past, you know, oh, I would say three years before getting into real estate, it was a conversation that my wife and I had quite often. And, and finally, I was, I was in a position to be able to just make the move. And so I did. When you got into real estate, do you think you had a fast start or a slow start? You know, I wasn't sure what to expect, but 
talking to other agents in my office, uh, the first office that I started at, you know, I guess compared to what they were saying I should expect, I, it was a, a relatively quick start for me. What did you attribute that to? Why do you think you had such a quick start? A lot of things, I guess, I just try to soak up everything that I could like a sponge. And then if you kind of take some of the stuff that I learned and, and contribute some, you know, the hard work that we put into it, then it just kind of, it just kind of happened, I guess, you know, it wasn't one specific thing over another. But I remember one of the first things I did was I grabbed the top agent in the office and asked for 10 minutes of his time and just asked him some specific questions as to what, you know, what is his, some, some of his favorite technology that he uses and what does he think makes the difference between so many agents that come in and out of the business and the ones that stick around. And so just tried to soak up everything that I could. And that's kind of, you know, uh, what kind of got me started right away. Where is Rochester, Minnesota? We're in southern Minnesota. We are uh, about an hour south of the Twin Cities metro area and uh, uh, kind of in between uh, the Iowa border and the Twin Cities. Describe your current real estate market. Well, you know, Rochester, this is something I always explain to a lot of the buyers and sellers that are out there is we're somewhat in a bubble here. Our market is we've got uh, the Mayo Clinic and then we also have IBM, you know, that's allowed for a consistent number of new buyers coming into the market and sellers looking to either come in or move out of the of the community. Each spring, we have residents that uh, come to the Mayo Clinic and uh, there's quite a number of them and they a good chunk of them end up buying they're going to be here from two to four years so they end up buying a home so this kind of keeps uh, every spring that constant turnover and it allows other people that live here to kind of move up to that next home as well so that has definitely helped our uh, our average you know sales price is in that 150 range so it's kind of a a, a happy medium uh, right in there and it uh, homes are affordable here Mayo Clinic employs a number of people. It's about 30,000 employees there, and a good chunk of those are the nurses. And so those nurses get paid well as compared to other parts of the country, and the home prices are where they need to be to uh, you know, provide a good value for those nurses. So um, that helps as well. But just a consistent number of buyers and sellers in the market. In your market, do you know what your average days on the market is? Yeah, average days is 160 days. Are prices going up? They're falling? They stay in the same? Pretty steady at the moment. You know, from what I've read and understood and, and learned from other agents, you know, only being in the business two years, I haven't seen where we've really come from. But I've seen, I've heard that, you know, we didn't see a huge increase in sales, you know, in, uh, in values. And so we haven't seen a huge decrease either. We don't have as many short sales as many people upside down, although we have had our, our fair share. If you were to look out at your market, what percentage of the homes for sale do you think are traditional retail sales? versus REO or short sale? There's an, an REO agent in our office and had a conversation with him the other day. And, and locally, it sounds like there's about 15% REO. Um, and then the remainder are, you know, some short sales in there as well, but majority of them are just standard sales. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? So far, buyers has kind of been my niche. Um, I've had uh, a decent share of sellers as well. But uh, my niche has been buyers and then specifically, you know, online buyers, marketing on the Internet and pulling those online leads has kind of been what I focus my efforts on. How are you generating leads for your business? The majority of the leads that I pull in are online leads. And it's kind of a, a system. I guess I kind of refer to it as the handy-andy business model, the handy-andy realtor model. 
and I guess it's more than just about me being handy Andy or whatever. You know, I don't really refer to myself as handy Andy, but I refer to it as a, a way of business. But I also market myself as the handy Andy realtor. Uh, for example, I have a, a vehicle that's wrapped, and it has a handy-andy uh, wrap on it, a, a, an advertisement, and that gets a lot of attention. And so that's given me some brand recognition here locally. When I first got in the business, the, the number one thing age, other agents were telling me is, you know, there's so many agents, it's hard for people to remember your, your name and who you are. So I thought I had to do something different. And so um, I came up with that term, the, hand, the handy-andy realtor. And so um, with the vehicle, but also the online marketing that, that I do, in conjunction with providing helpful information, truly helpful, um, so that when people get an email from me, they know it's going to be something of value. It's not just going to be something, uh, another spam email that came in from an agent they don't want to speak with. And so that's it's kind of been the premise in a nutshell of, of how, I, how I market online. It's about incubating the lead or pulling the lead in and then incubating over a certain number of, time, of, of months. I, know I think the average is, is 12 months is, is how long out a buyer, an Internet buyer lead is. So there's a process there. Let's talk about Handy Andy. When you say Handy Andy, does that mean someone who can fix up properties and and make physical changes to properties, or do you mean Handy as in helpful, helpful with advice? I think that's been the one downside of of the marketing plan is that it's a little bit confusing to some people as to what it what it is, what it means, what it exactly is. I I don't you know physically do anything other than provide a stager. When I first got into business, it was somewhat of me helping them fixing the homes up, but I realized very quickly that you know, this, this wasn't going to work. I was spending my time painting walls when I should be marketing the home. So I, at, at some point, I actually did provide a handyman. I paid for two hours of a handyman to come to the home and uh, you know, if they signed a, a six-month listing agreement to come to the home and, and do whatever that we felt necessary needed to be done. And so I, was, I, I kind of have been shying away from that. I was afraid people were going to take it too much like that's what the handy-andy meant. And so I've been focusing more on just providing good information. So, for example, when I pull a lead in in the different numbers of ways that we do that, they go into our system, and, and the system includes – a lot of video marketing and so video emails that we send out to our, our database of right now, you know, 650 buyers that are out that are in our in our system, and they get they get weekly, monthly videos on on different things. So, for example, we did a video on uh, with a local electrician on the importance of testing a, your GFCI outlets and what a GFCI outlet is. Uh, I was finding a lot of buyers, you know, was coming up in the inspection. They had no idea what they were, and they're important. It's a safety feature in your home, and you got to know what what it is. And so, uh, I saw a need there, so we did a video on that. I recently did a video on installing a, a solid, replacing your hollow core doors with a solid door, a hardwood door. So hanging interior doors in your home. And we did a video. It was me doing the work because I happened to be having a home that I was working on. And so we shot the video and, and distributed that out to people. We do some financial how-to videos as well. So, for example, we did one on being a move-up buyer and what that means in this market. And maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing that you're going to take a small hit on your home now, but be able to recoup, recoup that when you move up to a, a higher-priced home. And so we did a video on that and, and broke it down uh, piece by piece. We do a weekly video called Handy Andy's Top Picks. And it's me you know, uh, picking three to four homes that have just hit the market, not necessarily my listings. And we give very limited information. I'm usually there foreclosures because I realize that most buyers think that they want to buy a foreclosure and that draws them in. That's the carrot that we dangle out there. And then they, they want more information and we set up a showing. 
Um, and then we, you know, explain the risks of these distressed properties and, and they end up either buying one or, or buying something else, but they see that we provide value. So we do the top picks video. I also do a weekly market update that's just a, a not a video, but a, a blog post. And then, and then some other things as well. So that's kind of the idea is, is provide this, this helpful info. And then uh, when they are ready, they'll come back and, and talk to us. Let's talk some more about the videos. How long is each video? Are you doing these for a couple minutes? Are they 10 minutes, an hour long? How long are the videos? Under five minutes. Uh, everyone has got to be under five minutes. And, uh, you know, but they have to be thorough as well. So it's kind of a trick, a tricky way to, a tricky thing to, to do because, you know, when you're explaining how to hang an interior door, uh, that could take some time. But yeah, uh, anytime we can, it's got to be under five minutes. Otherwise, you kind of lose their attention. Who's editing those videos? Uh, at this point, I am. <laughs> I'm shooting and editing and, and posting and, and doing uh, most of it there. I do have an assistant you know, that I hired, gosh, about a month ago now, and she's helping me distribute things out to, to different places, whether it's Facebook or, or Craigslist or uh, wherever it might be. But as far as the shooting and the editing, that's, that's done. I, I do that. I, I did recently talk to actually a client that I have who does some video editing. He may, he may start helping me with some of that as well. What kind of video camera are you using? You know, I use just a basic flip cam. It was, you know, a couple hundred dollars. And then I bought a, a wide-angle lens that can be added to it to kind of uh, uh, get a better uh, view. They're kind of a narrow, naturally, normally just a narrow view. And so I kind of bought a wide-angle lens, and that helps uh, in tighter spaces. But then I have a tripod that it sits on. And, um, you know, depending on where I'm at, uh, we set that up and then just shoot the video. And then I have you know, an iMac that we go through just in a basic iMovie program and, and edit it and add text and music and, and kind of a beginning little introduction clip. And then, and then it's uh, sent all over the place. So when you're shooting this, let's talk about when you did the hang the door video. You set up the tripod in the corner of the room and pointed it towards the door jam, and then you walk in front of it. Do you have a script outlined? How do you know what to say? <laughs> well, you know, I have some experience in doing some of these things, so some of it, it just kind of comes naturally. I guess my, the biggest thing I, I try to avoid is having a script because I think people, they know when you're scripted. So what I do is just, just talk like I'm talking to them. I'm at their home on a weekend helping them out. I usually wear a T-shirt that has my Andy Andy logo on it. You know, it's just very laid back and, uh, you know, just more like their buddy coming over, like I said, helping them on the weekend. Um, here's how you do it. And so, you know, uh, you know, for, for example, the, the um, hanging interior door video, um, I started in my lower level where I already completed a door and showed and kind of explained what I was going to be showing them how to do. And then we went up to the upper level area. I set the tripod in the hallway and basically went from start to finish. I had an existing hollow core door. I told them how to go step by step and remove that and then, and then um, install the new one. And it's something anybody can do, and it can add value in certain situations to the home. And so things like that that, you know, people can, you know, relate me to real estate, but uh, relate me to um, helping them add value to their home, and then just being a resource, I think, most of most all. So, You started the video downstairs with a final product. You, you moved upstairs to the, the door that needed to be removed. You start the camera. Do you let it run for the whole 30 minutes or hour it takes to remove the door, or do you start and stop the camera as you're moving along? 
in some some cases I've had to start and stop it, and some I just let it run. It depends on which video I'm doing. I can always take that video and then go back and edit it later if I if I have multiple clips within one full video. So it just depends on the video itself. On that door hanging video, for example, I would start and stop it because in between I'd have to grab different tools and and uh, set things up for the next kind of scene. So you had scenes. Did you have those mapped out on a piece of paper before you started, or did you just kind of have it in your mind where you wanted to go? You know, I kind of uh, I made these scene sheets. I guess I just you know put them on the computer and printed them out in Word, and they're just a box with a bunch of lines next to it. And in each box, I kind of draw out the basic scene with stick figures, and then and then on the side, write what's going to be said and what's going to be explained in each scene. So that way, I at least have somewhat of an outline. I usually you know change it once I'm actually there shooting the video. Um, depending, but at least for these how-to videos, there's a there's a you know a step one, two, and three that's already kind of outlined. So on those videos, I do a, a monthly video called the Market Minutes, and that's more of a detailed uh, video with more statistics on our local market. And I try to do it in a, a different location in Rochester. I've done it you know at the St. Mary's Hospital or the Plummer House, which is a historic home here. And uh, uh, those I have more of a scripted. Uh, dialogue that's set up uh, for the video. You do have some kind of outline then before you start. You don't just say, here we go and turn on the camera. Yes. I think people sense that. So they got to have some direction and that allows me to keep it under five minutes too. That's a key for you in these videos is to go back after the fact and edit them back down. And your goal is to get it under five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. How long will that flip phone record before it runs out of juice or batteries or memory? Well, I think it has internal memory of up to two hours. So, I mean, I can easily shoot, you know, a video on it and then just remove the video once I'm done and I'm going to edit it. I just pull it off the camera and put it on the computer and then the camera's ready to shoot again. You know, we shoot all our listing videos. We do a video for every listing. We shoot all our listing videos with that camera as well. Sounds like you've really dove into the video side of things. Uh, how many videos do you think you've made in the last couple of years? Well, you know, I've only been doing the video for about, for the last year, really. And I don't know, maybe I have 40 or so videos that are there. And that includes the videos of listings that I've, you know, I've done as well, but also um, all the how-to videos and things like that. So, If you were to break that out, how many of the videos do you think were these how-to videos or something other than listing videos? They're probably 50%, you know, I probably have, you know, 15 to 20 how-to videos and, 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 and the top picks videos and the market minutes videos, more informational videos. And then the other uh, 15 to 20 have been, you know, the listing, listing videos. You know, I think on a note about videos as well is it really helps on the SEO side. You know, these search engines love to see these videos and I embed them on my site all over the place. And then when someone goes in and types, you know, um, Rochester MN Real Estate, they see my videos because I strategically title them with that in place or Rochester MN Homes or Houses in Rochester MN. And that's always in the title, it's in the tags, it's in the description so that when they Google that um, or, or on other search engines, we show up under the videos uh, that are there. And so it kind of has helped us you know, show up. An SEO tip was to make sure that you title your video with the name of your area or market that you're working, in this case, Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Or whatever keywords you think buyers and sellers are using when they log in to shop for real estate in your area. If there's something specific you know that they're using, use that in your title and then throw it in the tags and also in the description. And then also, uh, you'll also want to put a link in that description 
to your website, and that'll help with the linking uh, and the search engines notice that link as well. Where are you storing these videos? Who's hosting them? They're all on YouTube, and that's the, that's the uh, you know that's where they're uploaded to, and then they're distributed from there. Now, I also use a system called Real Pro Systems, and in Real Pro Systems, they have a video management option in there as well, and so they're all sent over to Real Pro from YouTube. They sync together. And then um, from, from Real Pro, I'm sending them out to my database. I'm uploading to my website. I'm putting them in my blog posts. And, and that, that's where they're really distributed from. Now, when you say you're putting them into these locations, you're putting a link onto the email or the website or the blog. The video is actually playing at YouTube. Is that correct? Well, it's, it's using the YouTube player, and in the bottom right-hand corner, you see the little YouTube logo when you're playing the video, but, but the way that RealPro Systems has it set up, it's actually embedded into my, uh, you know, you use HTML code to embed it into the website, so they never leave your website, and I think that's the key as well. If your competitors are using video, and they go back to YouTube, now all of a sudden they're seeing your competitors' videos, and it kind of becomes less effective. So I think a key is to keep them on your site, rather than share the link, you want to actually use the embed code that YouTube gives you or have a system like RealPro that automatically gives you that embed code when it syncs your YouTube videos to your RealPro videos. So they have it set up automatically. Okay, so you don't have the problem at the end of your video, YouTube throws out your competitors' videos as options to watch. Well, you can do that. And if, if I remember right, there's actually a place in YouTube where you can shut that off. You can click off of a button where it says, you know, show other similar videos. And if you unclick that, then the code no longer shows that in there. But on my RealPro site, they must do that automatically because when you go onto my site and you do that, it does not show competitors' videos. It still uses the YouTube format to play the video, but it's on my website and not on YouTube. We're talking about the SEO. You mentioned the titles. You also mentioned tags and descriptions. Can you tell us what you mean by tags and descriptions? Each video has certain tags that you can give it so that uh, on these search engines or within YouTube, if, you, if somebody types in one of your tags or multiple tags, it, it pulls your uh, video. And, and usually a number of others as well, but at least you're in that mix. And so the more videos that you have with these tags and the more you have views and things like these, it all helps uh, you show up more. Within the description, you know, again, I think uh, these search engines notice what's in your description as far as the text. But I think the, the key just being that make sure you're putting a link uh, back to your website, you know, HTTP uh, semicolon backsplash backsplash www.whatevervoyourwebsite is. In my case, it's handyandyrealtor.com. And again, it's just one more link that's out there pointing to your website, and these search engines see that and, and think, hey, this, this guy's all over the place. He must be important. I'm going to show his website at the top of the organic search results before somebody else's. You mentioned that somebody should think of what keywords they want to use. What kind of keywords do you try to focus on and incorporate into your marketing? Rochester MN Real Estate is one of the number one used ones in my area. There, I, I also see homes for sale Rochester MN, houses in Rochester MN. Um, sometimes we get foreclosure in, in Rochester MN, not as much, but Rochester MN Real Estate seems to be the number one used uh, keyword. You can use some uh, Google Analytics to figure that stuff out. In the past, I had done some of my own AdWord, Google AdWords campaigns meaning when someone types in a keyword, let's say Rochester MN Real Estate, um, I show up as a paid ad in the top or on the side, and I pay per click. Depending on what 
keywords I set up the ad campaign to run off of will depend on when I show up. And I was watching which ones people were using more in that Rochester Edmond real estate tended to come up more and more and more. So that's kind of the one that I've kind of honed in on and focused on. So your city, your state, and then the word real estate seems to be the best one, at least in your area, for that's what people are typing in the most often. And that's how you can get more clicks. Yep, absolutely. And, and narrowing it down to what's what's working the best, you know, what, what keyword people are using best helps you, you know, market yourself on, on the internet and where you need to be. So I, I put that in my website as many places I can, Rochester MN Real Estate, um, so that it, it shows up when they type that in. What other tips could you give our listeners on making videos? Keep it under five minutes if you can. In some cases you can't, and that's fine, but as close to or under five minutes if possible. And then, you know, just be yourself if you're the one on the video. Uh, I think people, you know, I've had a lot of comments from buyers that I've met that say, we've seen your videos, we feel like we knew you before we even met you. And to me, that's huge. It's like I formed this relationship with them, and I, and I didn't even know I was doing it, you know. Um, and mostly because I was just, just myself on, on the video. You know, another tip would be do some of those things that we just talked about as far as making sure you're tagging things a certain way and, and um, you know, titling your video with uh, real estate and then your city and state and then adding the tags and adding a link in the description. But then finally, I think be consistent. So when we do the videos, we have a consistent kind of flow, or at least we're trying to get more and more consistent, where we have kind of a, the same introduction. Uh, little, little, uh, uh, I don't know, just a little clip in the beginning that's the same for almost every video. And then the same at the end where it directs them back to our website so that they're reminded, hey, go back to our website and check it out. And so I think those are kind of the basic tips to get you started and uh, so that you can have some success with videos. In these videos, you mentioned you're wearing a t-shirt. Are are you always wearing a t-shirt? What kind of appearance do you try to give out there into the market? You know, it depends on the video. When I'm doing more of the the uh, statistical uh, market minutes videos, I'm wearing a, a, a dress shirt and tie, you know, typically, or a more casual dress. My, uh, you know, the age group of most of the people that I work with are a little younger, so they're not used to the more formal stuff. So I, I keep it a little, um, you know, casual. But uh, when I'm doing the how-to videos, I want them, again, to try to feel like I'm, I'm their buddy that came over and helped them. And so I'm, I'm usually wearing my T-shirt to market my handy-andy uh, logo across the front. We also do you know, giveaways and things on Facebook and other areas for these T-shirts. And so I want to kind of market the T-shirt itself and say, hey, Andy's got one. I want one. So that was another kind of thought with wearing a T-shirt. But you know, the, the top picks videos are typically recorded on my, uh, in my office on my, on my um, computer via the camera that's in my computer. And then I actually am, am doing a screen record, recording the actual whatever I'm looking at on my computer screen they can see. And so at that point, I'm sitting at my desk wearing, you know, more uh, everyday business casual clothes. So so these top picks, what does the viewer see? Do they see a picture of you or do they see a picture of your screen? Both. Within a, a system called ScreenFlow, that's another system that I use to do some of these videos. And I've, I've started using this more. Before, okay, so when I first started doing the top picks videos, actually me driving around in my vehicle with the camera mounted to the dash was actually just my iPhone mounted to the dash, and then it, I would just drive around talking about three to four new listings that I knew were hitting the market to pr- try to provide some value in me as a, as a buyer's agent. Um, I know where these good deals are kind of thing. Lately, it's a little harder because I actually have to go out on the road and do it, and it just takes a little more time. So sometimes when I'm cramped for times, I, I just do it here in the office, and it's right on my computer. 
and um, they're seeing in the bottom right-hand corner of the video, they see me uh, talking to them. Um, I think it's important to get them to see your face. And then they're also obviously hearing my voice. But then I can choose what part of my screen um, I want them to see. So typically I pull up my website, go into my MLS search button, and then show them basically how they can go to my website. Basically what I'm showing is how they can go to my website and shop for homes. But I'm doing it for them, and they see the process, and then they see the three or four that I pick. And so it kind of does a number of things. It, 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 they, they get to know me. They uh, get used to seeing my face. Um, they get used to my website, they know how it works, and they see some value in me being somebody who knows where these where these deals are. So, They're watching you actually perform the action of going to your website, pulling them up. They can see those actions. And also then at the end, they see the result. They see a bunch of pictures of properties, which is what they really want. Yes. Yeah, and they want to know, even if they don't know how to get back to them, again, I think it leaves them with the sense that, you know, and wow, that was a good deal. I tell them, usually my top picks, I tell them a few things. I say, okay, my pick number one is a home that sold last sold in 2006 for $250,000. It just hit the market as a foreclosure for 149 or whatever the case might be. And I say the current tax assessed values, you know, 215. You know, it just hit the market. We're, we're confident that this is one of the better deals out there for a split level in Northwest Rochester. And then I go on to the next one and do the same thing. So I show value there. And then I have a link, you know, for them to click if I'm sending this video out in an email, they can click on that to actually see that listing back on my website through our IDX. And again, now all of a sudden they're on our site and they're getting used to going to our site and using it. And so, you know, again, it goes back to the idea that everybody's on the internet, but how are you getting people to your site? And that's just one of the ways we do it. How many properties do you try to present in this top pick of the week? Typically, you know, no more than four, but you sometimes three. So anywhere from three to four, you know, I think you get any more than that and it gets a little overwhelming. You want to keep it quick. You got to keep it under five minutes. But you want to, what I usually try to do is pick one, you know, under 100,000, pick one between 100, 150, one between 150, 200, and then one maybe that's, you know, up in the upper end or whatever's available that week. I usually try to hit the ones that just hit the market. And again, it gets tough some weeks because we don't have a, a ton of foreclosures in our market, but they're enough to kind of, you know, keep that populated. And then, you know, the other thing I do is I, I try to throw in one of my listings in there as well. And that way I can use that as a selling feature as well when I'm selling myself to a seller, my marketing plan and say, hey, you know, this is what I do to uh, provide buyers with information. Your, your listing will get, you know, highlighted in one of these videos. So we kind of use it on that side as well. You've made the video. How are you distributing that? How are you getting it out into the market? There's a number of ways. I mean, it's, it's I guess, in the, in the sense, uh, somewhat viral. You know, stepping back a little ways and, and looking out on everything that we do, uh, we use a system called Tiger Leads. And again, that's an ad campaign, uh, entire entire system for um, pulling leads from these search engines. And, and uh, you know, whether it's Google or Bing or, or Yahoo or whatever it might be, we pay-per-click ad. Uh, we use them for pay-per-click ads. And so, we pull, that's how we pull in the leads. I also use a system called Realty Track, where I market this all over Craigslist and Facebook, and uh, we it's a it's a foreclosure search tool that Realty Track provides. It's a widget that you can put on your website. I market it as a place for people to shop for foreclosures. It only allows them to see the street name, not the number of the house, the house number, but they have to register to get that information. So as soon as they do that, now they go into our system through Tiger Leads. Back to that when when they type in Rochester M and real estate on Google, 
and or you know with one of the other search engines and we pop up we're typically one two or maybe three bot on on google every time it, you know it says um, search for rochesterhomes.com that's the name of our what we call our stealth website they go in there and it allows them to shop the mls directly it allows them to see one listing that meets their criteria if they want to see any more they have to register and so that's where we're pulling in these leads and then tiger leads uh, allow has a back-end site for us we can track the leads when how often they're logging back in how many listings they're seeing what price range they're looking at and keep track of them in our back end on tiger leads but but back to how they get into our system they come in from these these uh, different various ways they go into our real pro systems contact management database and now we classify them as a buyer as a seller as a buyer and a seller as a you know whatever the case might be um, and then we market them based on what they are so if they're a buyer they're getting these top picks videos and and if they're a buyer and a seller they're getting our market update videos our whole database whether they're past clients or buyers or sellers or whatever they might be get our you know how-to videos because everybody can learn from those and, and hopefully see some value in them so I guess I hope that answers your question as to where they're coming from and how we're getting these these videos and things out to them as we're building this database of buyers and sellers um, and past clients. Some of these buyers are are working with a different agent, and that's fine. But at least you know they're in our database; we can market our listings to them as well as these other things. So, so you're putting your video out to leads you already have. Correct. So it's not a lead generation; it's a lead conversion system. Well, it is both because it definitely goes out there. Like I said, you know, it's it's just this spider web of ways to get to, to get your information out there. I mean, when I put a video on YouTube, it goes everywhere. And um, for example, like I said, when someone types goes to Google and types in Rochester MN Real Estate, they get they get top websites, but they also get top videos as well in their search results. And so we show up there because we have a number of videos and we have them tagged right and we have them titled right, um, and we show up. And so somebody clicks on one of our videos they see it it's designed so that they get to know the handy andy logo they get to know the handy andy realtor.com and they see that we provide value they now visit our website they click on mls search it's designed to to trap uh, you know you hate to work to use the word trap but that's really what it's designed for it's a it's a, a website that is designed to kind of dangle the carrot here's some information if you want more you got to sign up and now they're in our system and so it's kind of allowed us to kind of exponentially grow our database because we're everywhere any place that we can online. Three major categories of videos then are top picks, market update, and how-to videos. Did I get that right? Yes, we also have our listing videos, you know. And then we do random videos. I just did one last week that we sent out to our entire database that was a website I came across. And I, I specifically did this video for my home computer in my living room. I mean, you know, I had a nice backdrop with the fireplace and whatever. Um, but I was sitting down at my at my desk there in the living room was recording right from my in-camera or my, my camera right inside the screen of the computer, showing them this website that I came across that was uh, rochester911.com that allows people to go in and, and use a Google map to search uh, different neighborhoods to see the crime reports for certain, uh, you know, certain date period. And so I thought it was a, a very helpful website for maybe a buyer or just somebody living in a specific neighborhood and they want to know what kind of, you know, uh, what kind of uh, um, activity was going on in their neighborhood. I titled this email to my to everybody in my database. I titled it "Why Why is that police car in your neighbor's driveway?" To kind of get their attention, they click on it. It's a video about about how they can figure out what was going on if there was a if there was a police car or something in the neighborhood recently. So it was a helpful thing. I thought people would like to see it. I specifically did it at home because I wanted them to realize, look, I'm a normal human being. 
I'm at home. I'm I'm just an everyday person. I'm not I'm not anything special, and, and you can get to know me at home too. So that was the reason for that. I did one with my little son in it who was just learning to talk, and he was really cute when he says bye. You know, he says bye to everybody, and so I said say say bye Noah, and he said bye, and every you know I got a lot of comments from that that he was. Uh, he was cute, and people realize, you know, you're just a normal human being. So I think um, that's that's been a strategy of mine as well with the video. So anyway, I, I hope that kind of answers your question as to as to how it gets out and and uh, who gets it. How often are you doing the top picks? That's a weekly video. How often are you doing the market update? The market minute video that is a monthly video. The market minute video. What is in that video? Well, it's again, it's an under five-minute video typically, and we, um, you know, we go through new listings, a number of new listings, um, what the average asking price of these new listings are for the month, and how they compare to a previous month and possibly the year before the same month. We talk about the number of pending sales and what the average asking price of those pending sales were and how long they were typically on the market, what their average market time was. We look at number of closed sales in the month and what they're asking. Uh, price to actual sales price was what that percentage is and what it was of their original list price so we can see you know try to stress how important it is to price your home right from the get-go so those kind of statistics uh, we look at the total number of listings on the market and how that compares to last year and what that might mean and just very briefly tell them what we think that means or what it what it what what's uh, why it's trending that way and then again at the end we point them back to our website for uh, for more information Everything gets pointed back to your website. Yes, absolutely. Everything has to. And then, you know, again, with the Handy Andy Realtor, we were hoping that that would be kind of a unique tagline that they would remember what it was. So, If one of our listeners wanted to see some of your videos, could they go to your website and, and see them? Is there a location for them to see these videos? Yeah, I mean, go to HandyAndyRealtor.com. Um, otherwise, on, on YouTube... You know, it's Handy Andy Realtor is our is our uh, um, channel, and you can you can you know subscribe to that channel and see our new videos that are coming out. But I, I think if you go to HandyAndyRealtor.com, they're all over the place. Click on our blog; a lot of them are there. Uh, otherwise, even on the front page, we have some of the more recent stuff that we do. We always add it to the front page. Uh, the other thing is, whenever I do a new video, we we add it to our blog. We upload we then upload that blog post to Facebook, to Twitter, to LinkedIn in as many social networks as we can to, to direct people from those back to our website to hit our blog. So the video doesn't just get sent out to our database, but also gets marketed to people that are out there as well. You mentioned social media. You mentioned it a couple times. Let's talk about what you're doing with social media. First of all, how would you define social media? Where are you? Well, I mean, I use it on a, a daily basis. Um, I, I use it specifically for business. I don't use it much for personal. Although I've chosen to, instead of have a business page that people can like on Facebook, I have a personal page that I use for business that people can be friends with me. And I friend every client that I have so they can see what I'm doing, what's going on. I do upload some personal stuff on there as well so that they know I'm a you know a human being and and um, you know uh, pictures of family or trips that we've gone on or whatever. But for the most part, it's uploading my blog post. And every upload, every every time we upload up, update our wall or uh, it's a link back to our website. Uh, for the most part, so you know I've thought about maybe I know there's a way to convert your your uh, current uh, personal page over to a, a fan page, a business page, and I just. And I'm kind of going back and forth as to whether I want to do that. I like the way it's set up now, and so I'm leaving it, uh, leaving it that way. But yeah, everything that we do gets uploaded to those social media networks. So, 
You mentioned you're on Facebook and did you say LinkedIn? Yes, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, you know, we do that and everything. Our blog posts just get uh, get gets tweeted and gets uploaded to LinkedIn and, and Facebook as well. On Facebook, I have multiple. I do have some fan pages. I started a Remax of Rochester fan page, and so you know, I'm kind of the spokesperson for that fan page and, and uh, post information about the area there. But I also did one that I thought was was pretty fun, and that was 365 Rochester MN. It's a Facebook page that I started. I just upload uh, a, a new event, you know, daily, weekly uh, of things that are going on in Rochester. And people subscribe to that so they can see things that are that are going on. We do uh, some trivia on there as well, where uh, you know, according to Handy Andy's a post that says, according to Handy Andy's uh, last Market Minutes video, how many new listings hit the market in in July or whatever the case might be, and if they win, if they the first person to answer correctly gets a five dollar gift card to you know a coffee shop or whatever. So we do some fun stuff with that page as well. How many people have you brought into these social networks versus how many friends do you have in Facebook? You know, I'm not actively going out there and just adding new people that maybe I don't know or that I'm, you know, I have friends that know or whatever. Basically, I people that I know and then any any new clients, I use it as kind of a a way to keep in touch with current current and past clients as well. They see that hey, Andy got this new listing and Andy just, you know, sold another house or whatever the case might be and it keeps me top of mind when they're on Facebook. So every client I just ask them are you on Facebook? And they say, yeah. I say, hey, well, I'm going to friend you on Facebook, so look for that. And they do, and they, they befriend me, and, and, and they see what's going on. So so that's kind of how I how I populate the, that friends list. Um, some of the other pages that I have, I, I uh, recommend that my friends that are on there like my page, whatever the case might be. Um, the 365 uh, is growing. I think I have about 200 now people that are liking that page locally. And, um, you know, that kind of spreads as we continue it because people see on their friend's, uh, friend's feed or whatever that they, that they've liked something on our 365 MN Rochester MN page and they like it as well. Do you know how many friends you have? You know, I think, uh, under four, right under 400, I think is probably what I have on there. One of our next goals is to go in there and actually, um, you know, group each uh, group friends in, into different groups. So whether it's past clients or friends from high school or whatever the case might be, you know, maybe I don't want all my friends from high school getting all these real estate updates, or maybe I do. I, you know, I haven't really decided, but we're kind of going to look at that a little more because you can actually group your friends into different as many groups as you'd like. And then when you put a new wall post or Facebook pro, uh, Facebook post, you can determine what groups are going to see that on their face on their wall feed, you know, their uh, newsfeed. So you can split these people up, these friends up into smaller groups that you can market to individually. Yes. LinkedIn, do you know how many people are tracking you on LinkedIn? You know, I don't. I'm not really tracking that as much only because I use a system um, called Hootsuite. And it's a free it's a free widget that you can download to your computer where whenever I do a blog post, whatever page you want to share, you just click the little owl icon on your computer and it, it asks what social media networks you want to send that blog post to or that website that you're on or whatever you're looking at. You can then you know, share that on all these different media networks. So rather than going into each one and uploading it, it saves time by just doing it all at once. You click the little uh, owl icon or the hootlet icon, whatever the case might be, and then um, you just choose which which network, social media networks you want to receive that page and hit send, and it puts them all up there at once. Makes it a lot quicker. Is that what you're doing with the Twitter also? 
Correct. Yeah, you can do Twitter on there, and I have one for Handy Andy Homes, and I also have one for uh, 365 Rochester MN, a Twitter account on there. And so when we do a new Facebook up, upload to the 365 Rochester MN, we click the little uh, Hootsuite icon and hit send over to the 365 Rochester MN Twitter page, and it sends it. But when we do a Handy Andy Realtor uh, blog post, we just click the Hootlet icon, and it sends it to whatever ones we want to. If we want to go to, we usually just do all of them, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and it just sends it all, all with one, with one click. Do you know how many followers you have on Twitter? I'm not sure of that either. You know, I'd have to go in there and actually look. I, it's not a ton. You know, I, I use it because it's there. I use it because some people tend to kind of just want to use Twitter. Some um, people that are out there, as far as you know, prospects. I. You know, I use it because it's there. I guess I can't say it's it's um, you know a great source for me at this point, but it may be down the road. And so I kind of wanted to get things going with it and and be uploading things to it. Um, but I, you know, I may have 20 followers on there. I would think. Basically, you have a major focus on Facebook as far as social media, and then you've also included LinkedIn and Twitter to pick up anybody who's straggling out there. Correct. Yeah. Um, on LinkedIn specifically. You know, I think the key is to, you know, make sure that your profile is completely filled out and that you have, again, the keywords that you want because some people use LinkedIn. They, it's kind of considered the more professional, uh, you know, social media network uh, for professionals. And so in my area, a lot of medical professionals are here. Uh, I'm assuming that they may use that. And so, you know, if you have your profile complete, if they go into the search engine within LinkedIn and type in Rochester, Minnesota real estate agent, because they want to see who are the agents in this area that are on LinkedIn, if you have a complete profile and you keep it kind of updated and current, you will show up, you know, as one of the, you know, I guess I, I think I consistently show up as one or two on there. So that's, you know, one of the benefits. Now, can I say I've sold a home because somebody found me on LinkedIn? No. But again, if I'm using that Hootsuite uh, free service, it, you know, it just does it anyway, so I may as well do it. You've mentioned quite often in our interview so far this idea of a blog, and it seems to be the central hub for things that are being shot out to these social media. Where is your blog? What is the blog? Yeah, it's it's actually just on my website. It, you know, technically it's handyandyrealtor.com slash blog, but on Handy Andy Realtor, I have a, um, in the navigation bar, there's a, uh, it just says Handy Andy Blog, and if you click that, that's where, that's where it is, and it takes you there. Now, again, by sending, by sending out, um, when I send out my blog posts to these social media networks and to my database of clients, whatever the case might be, it, when they click on these links, it brings them right back to that blog. From there, they can then see the rest of my website and actually get into everything else I have there, but that draws them in and, and gets them to the blog. So you spend a lot of time on your handyandyrealtor.com blog posting, and then there's a distribution system that tries to bring people back to the website. Yes. Your main site. Yep. It, it, to me, the key again is is you know I think I think this gets missed some at least from what I experienced so far is that I think too many agents think that if you're just online you're doing what you're doing what you need to do and there's so much more. It's all about getting people back to your site and giving them a reason to come to your site. And so that's kind of been the premise of the handy handy realtors to provide you know uh, capture the lead put them in our system and then provide helpful information because we realize that these internet buyers may be you know, 12 to 18 months out before they're going to buy a home. We want to capture them early in their process, get them interested so that they don't go seek out some other agent when they're ready, but, but very lightly and, and, and um, without pressure, provide helpful information. 
How many people do you think that you've captured into this system? How many leads do you have? Specifically buyer leads, there's about 650 that are in there. I've only, you know, the majority of those are coming in from my Tiger Leads system that's there. And those have only been, I've only been doing the Tiger Leads system since June. Again, I'm only in my second year, so I haven't had a lot of time to kind of get that going. But since June, I've pulled in, you know, I think about about 450 of those have been from Tiger Leads since June. And uh, the rest have, were already there or coming in from other ways. Like I mentioned, I use that Realty Track search widget on my website. That's another way that we pull in leads. So when somebody goes to my website, they can click a little button that says search for closures. When they click that, it pulls up a map of any area they want to see, you know, in, in Rochester. Technically, they can go all over the country there, but it's automatically zoomed in over our city. And they can zoom into a neighborhood, click refresh. It shows them all the foreclosures, bank-owned bank owned properties that are in that area. And again, it only shows them the street address, not the house number. If they want that information, they've got to register. So when they do that, we get an email saying this, leads want, this lead wants more information. Here's an email and their phone number. And so that's, you know, that's how they get into our system through RealtyTrack. And that's a widget we pay for. Actually, I, I take that back. That's a free widget through RealtyTrack that you can download and embed into your website. Um, and I would suggest everybody do that. Um, and, and what we do then is we take... Uh, we created a, a Craigslist ad that just gets updated twice a week, and it just says Rochester, Minnesota foreclosure list. And people can click on that. Again, they see that map, and they, when they click on it, it takes them to our website where they can then shop those foreclosures and then have to register. Uh, so just another another stream coming into the river of these leads. The key there, if I recall what you said before, was that when they search for properties, they get to see the very first property that pops up and that information, but if they want to see any additional, they need to register. Yes. I mean, that's kind of the idea behind it. On a realty track, like I said, they only see the, the street name, not the house number. And so if they want the specific house number of what this, what this foreclosure is, they have to register. So that's the realty track, the foreclosure search side. On our stealth site, which is searchforrochesterhomes.com, there they can do one search, they can do a search and they see one of the, it says one of 40 homes that meet your criteria as of today's date. To see the remaining, you know, red, click here and register. And so they register and they can see the rest of them. But yeah, again, it's giving them some information, but realize, they got to realize that if they want the rest of it, we got to know who they are and we want their information, you know. And then from there, there's more, you know, with the Tiger Lead specifically, it's all about the follow-up. We require that they give us their phone number. And we have got to call, we've got to respond within two hours. Otherwise, you know, that lead is most likely moved on to something else. So that's the key with that. It's all about the response time there, not just throwing them into our system and sending them a bunch of emails. Those emails become far more productive if we've actually spoken with the person and they know who we are. You get a lead that comes into your system. What type of information are you trying to gather from the lead? As much as we can. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. A buyer logs onto Google and they say, you know what, I want to know something about Rochester, Minnesota real estate. I want to try to find some homes that are out there. What, where do I go? Well, they go to Google, they type in Rochester, Minnesota real estate or whatever they might type in. And we show up, we pop up at the top and it says, hey, search, search for rochesterhomes.com. And then underneath it says, search thousands of homes, maps, you know, uh, pictures and whatever of homes for sale. I don't know if that's exact wording, but it's something like that. They click on it. It takes them to our site, searchforrochesterhomes.com. They see uh, that they can do a search. 
they go ahead and do that. And, and again, it's not heavily branded with my information. It meets the state you know, codes. Each state kind of has their own, the Department of Commerce has their own little uh, rules as to how much branding of yourself you have to be there. But we try to keep it limited. There's not a big ugly picture of myself at the top. And it does say Remax of Rochester, Andy Mulholland, and my phone number in case they need to get a hold of me. But it's, it's mostly stressed to show the properties that are out there. And that's why we kind of consider it a stealth site. It's not heavily marketing us. But they see this website, they can do a search, they put in their criteria, it says one of so many homes that are out there on the market uh, as of today that meet your criteria. To see the rest, click here, and they can log in and, and create an account. When, as soon as they do that, it sends me an email. And uh, it sends it on my smartphone, it sends it on my iPad, it sends it on my office computer, wherever I am, I get this email so I know they just logged in. It tells me what their name is, their email address, their phone number, it also looks up where their internet providers is from, so I can kind of get an idea of where they're coming from. Are they a local buyer? Are they out-of-state buyer? If it's a landline, it tells me what address they're calling from, so I can see if they're a homeowner. It asks them what their time frame is in, in months. It's, it's defaultly says unknown, but it asks, you know, 1 to 3, 3 plus, 12 plus, or 3 to 6, 12 plus, whatever the case might be, so we can get an idea of where they're coming from. It asks if they're a homeowner, yes or no. They have an area where they can type in comments specific to their search criteria. And then it tells us what that search criteria is. You know, price range, area, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, they can do other things in there as well. They can type in year ranges or um, number of garage stalls, things like that. The property type, whether it's single family condo, um, the price ranges. And, and so we get this basic email. Now, right in, within the email, there's a link that we can click and it says view lead file. If we click that, it takes us to our backend admin screen on Tiger Leads. And here we can see uh, the information. This is where we track the lead. We can see what listings they viewed. So when a lead comes in, I automatically go in there. It tells me it's two minutes old. What listings have they looked at in the, in the last two minutes? I can kind of watch live what they're looking at. And then I, I, I usually give them five minutes. And then after five minutes, I give them a call. Um, I like to get it with, to, them with, to them within 15 minutes, but at the very longest, two hours. And I found the one of the ones that I've actually closed, you know, it's, it's the ones that I've talked to within those first two hours. And we just have a, a quick, brief conversation. It's a, it's a service call. It's not a sales call. If they want to talk, we talk. If they don't, we understand that. We just let them know two things. One is that it's a direct feed from our local MLS, and it's updated every single day so that they know that this is a good resource to be using. There's too many sites out there that are out of date that people get frustrated because they call them and the home has been sold for weeks. So it's up to date every day. And then secondly, we let them know that it's automatically set up to send them any new listings that meet the criteria that they've entered. And that'll happen every day. They can set it to happen, up every, happen every week, but it's defaultly set up to happen every day. So they should expect emails from us. It kind of sets it up so that they know when they get something from us, it's not junk. Um, it's, it's helpful information. And then we ask them you know, certain things based on what we see. If they don't have a price range, we say, well, what price range are you looking at? We don't want to send you a bunch of emails you're not interested in. And we kind of start a conversation by letting them know that we're here to help. We want to send them you know, listings that actually meet what they're looking for, not just a bunch of them. And then all of a sudden they start telling us, well, you know, we're thinking of moving and we've got a house to sell. Oh, would you like me? You know, and we go in, into the whole you know, maybe setting up a listing appointment. So a lot of information. You kind of have to navigate through each one. It's not like you can just pull them in and throw them on a system and expect to sell them homes. It's, it's kind of a long-term you know, incubation process there. The people that are coming in, how many do you think are giving you real information and how many give you bogus information? 
Yeah, there are a number of them that come in that, that are bogus. I would say I would say 75% are good information, 25 are not. However, a lot of those are just bad phone numbers. They give a good email address because they want to be receiving these email updates. So they go into our email system and they get to know us that way. And then sometimes you know they may call us as opposed to us having to call them anyway. When that happens, if they give a bad email, we actually have email templates that we've set up. And we've gotten from other Tiger Lead users because there's a community forum where everybody kind of shares what's working. And these email templates are in there. And, and this one, you know, let, let's just say, for example, they have a good email address, bad phone number. We send an email that says, hey, uh, we tried to call you on the phone number. It didn't seem to work. We understand maybe you typed it wrong or maybe you just don't want us to talk to you and then we get that. We just want to make sure you understand how our site works and then we tell them it's updated every day and you're going to get these email updates of new listings. And then if they don't have a price range, we ask them, you know, we notice you don't have a price range. Do you want us to narrow that down for you? And that kind of thing. So there's ways to get around bad information and still, and still be helpful. As soon as the lead comes in, like I said, we call them. And then we follow up with an email, whether we talk to them or not. So if we leave a message, we follow up and say, hey, I just left you a message. Just wanted you to know this is how our site works. We're here to help any way we can, you know, that kind of an email. If we do talk to them, we follow up with an email and say, hey, nice chatting with you. Happy house hunting, we, we, you know, whatever the case might be. It sounds like you're, you know, uh, on your way to becoming a homeowner if they're a first-time buyer or something like that. We let them know that it's not just a canned email. It's a specific email based on what we just spoke about. Then what we do is we have a follow-up system within that Tiger Lead database for these Tiger Leads, and we call it it's a star system. Again, it was created by another Tiger Leads user in the community forum. We pulled it from there and have been tweaked it and kind of made it our own. But you know, based on their, based on whether we reach them. So for example, if we attempted to contact them by voicemail or email but didn't actually reach them, they become a one star, which we consider a D lead. We try to reach them within the first two weeks of them coming to the website. And if we can't, they, they just become a D-lead. They stay a D-lead, a one-star, and we contact them every, every month on the 21st day. If they're a two-star lead and we've qualified them, meaning we've, we've reached them live and we've determined they're three-plus months from purchasing based on the conversation we had, we've had to have reached them live, they become a two-star or a C-lead. That's set up to respond. We, we touch base with them on the eighth day of every month. And we kind of keep them updated on things that are going on and try to convert them to an A or a B lead, which is what we'll talk about next. That would be a three-star is a B lead. That means we've reached them live and they're qualified, meaning not necessarily pre-approved, but qualified in the sense that we, from our conversation, we can tell that they're actually a really qualified buyer in the idea that their mindset is that they're going to buy something within, the next, within one to three months. We set those up for to contact them twice a month on the 1st and the 15th of every month. And again, just a stay in touch conversation or email. And again, we phone them, but we also follow up with an email every time. And then our four-star leads, our A leads are reached. Uh, we've reached them live. We've qualified them again, and uh, they're less than one month from purchasing. These are the ones that we're going to be contacting them several times a week, and we're going to be you know, encouraging a showing and encouraging uh, whatever, an appointment, whatever it might be. And then five-star leads are the leads that we're currently working with. They're under contract. One thing we do with buyers that maybe don't come from Tiger Leads is we set them up on Tiger Leads. We send them to the website and say, hey, sign up. That way I can get to know what kind of listings you are interested in, what meets your criteria. And oftentimes if I have a couple, I have, I have each of them sign up for their own account. And that way 
I can see the differences. Okay, he obviously likes a three-car garage, and she obviously likes a big fenced-in backyard. And I can kind of get to know maybe what challenges we're going to have, we're going to see as we're out searching. So that's what we do. That's what we do with our current clients is if they didn't come from Tigers, if they're a referral or something, or we met them some other way, we send them there. We can. It's a great way to track, you know, how often they're shopping and uh, and that kind of thing. So, so in a nutshell, that's Tiger Leads. That's our follow-up system. And uh, you know, there's within Tiger Leads, there's tons of information. They can save homes to their favorites, so we can see which ones they really like. We can see what what uh, what keywords they used in Google when they found our website. We have, I guess, we have different domain names for diff- for the same website. So we use, like, for example, cl.searchforrochesterhomes.com to market our on our Craigslist ads that we do for this website. That way, we know that one came from Craigslist. If they come from my personal website, we have one called andy.searchforrochesterhomes.com. When they click on my website, the little tab that says MLS search, it takes them to Search for Rochester Homes, but we know that they came from my website. And then we have several others for the different ad campaigns that are out there on Google and Yahoo and that kind of thing. Um, It helps us track where they're coming from. We can see when they first logged in and when the last time they logged in was. So when we first log in in the morning, we can click last login and we can see, oh, you know, uh, John Smith logged in uh, this morning at, at 8 a.m. It's now 9 a.m. He looked at these listings. Maybe I should send a follow-up email and ask if he needs any informa- any more info on these listings, especially if he saved one to his favorites. So it, it's such a smart way to to track and incubate these leads, and Tiger Leads has done a great job of, of setting this up, and you just have to make sure you're, you're doing your end of follow-up and uh, really trying to contact these people uh, live if you can. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. What these tiger leads. If 100 leads come in, how many of them will be the A lead, somebody who wants to buy in the next month or so? I would say it seems like one out of every 100 that we pull in ends up becoming a closed sale. So, you know, that seems to be consistent so far. But like I said, I I have not been using it very long. I think I still have some time to figure out, you know, exactly what the best practices are. This is what we've just decided to implement um, so far, and it seems to be working. Could we tweak it and make it better? Yeah, probably. But, you know, and I think overall uh, the expectation is one out of every hundred internet leads is going to become a a close sale. So it is a numbers game, but, you know, it's also a a quality game, meaning you got to provide quality information. I think you can get those numbers even better. You've been doing the business for what, about two years, two and a half years? I started in late 2009, so I'm, I'm in my second calendar year, just finishing up with my second calendar year. Yeah. In that time, have you generated the majority of your business from this online marketing effort? I would not say the majority of the business. When I first got into the business, I focused on for sale by owners and expired listings and got a, got a number of you know sales doing that. I guess a number as in a new agent, it felt like that was where a lot of my business was coming from, although it was a lot of work and, and frustrating work. I told myself I, I didn't want to be that kind of an agent where I'm constantly hounding people for their business. I'd rather provide, I'd rather get their information, provide them with helpful info and, and let them, you know, know I'm here to help. And when they're ready, they will come back to me. You know, I would say I have yet to see the 
total results of everything, but obviously it, it, it does it does seem to work because it's a it's a comprehensive system, I guess is the way I like to look at it. My past clients see all the stuff that I'm doing and they refer me to people because they say Andy knows what's going on. He is up to date on the market. He's sending me a monthly market video you know, and he's got all these websites that are out there and uh, and so on. I, th- I think it presents an image that people are comfortable with you, even though I'm a newer agent, they, they you know, are comfortable with my knowledge and, and I guess and what's going on. But, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's um, um, something that I, I will continue to see the results from. Um, for example, Tiger Leads, I have, since June, I've closed five transactions through Tiger Leads. And in the beginning, I was just trying to get my system set up and figure out how I wanted to do this. And it was a little overwhelming as these leads were coming in every day. But now that I have it nailed down and my system is, is helping in some regard, then, you know, I think I'll continue to kind of see it see it grow. So, Five closings in five months? Yeah, one a month so far. And so it's definitely, it's working and paying for itself uh, that way. Let's talk a little more about that follow-up. Are you just doing follow-up emails or follow-up phone calls or both? Yes, both. You know, for the for the um, Tiger leads that I don't have a valid phone number for, you know, they obviously only get emails. But uh, what I try to do is, you know, whenever I go in and, and in the morning when I click on last login within Tiger leads and I see who's gone in lately, you know, I send them an email of some kind, but I make it personal. I think too many agents rely on these canned emails and people see right through that stuff. They become very, you know, uh, uh, used to those from all different kinds of industries. And so they know when it's a canned email, you got to refer to something that they're doing, something that, um, you know, is personal to them, whether it's a home they just looked at or whatever the case might be, a conversation you had with them. And so that's what we do with Integrity Leads. And we try to do it you try to do everything on the phone with Tiger Leads if we can, but in some cases you just can't reach the person and then maybe they don't call back or maybe they don't want to talk to you. So email is preferred. Email is kind of the backup, but, but uh, phone is, is kind of our, um, our goal. Now with our, all the other things that we're doing through our real pro systems, videos and things like that, those just get sent out regularly and, and people know that they're being sent out to a number of people. It's not specific to them, but as long as that other side is there, where we are contacting them specifically and, and referring to our conversation with them, they know that you know we have an interest in them, and so I think that's the that's the difference. There has to be both, because you know you got to send out some mass emails to people, but you can't just rely on that to incubate these internet leads. They got to know you're you know interested in them. So I think that's I think I think that that's what's helped me close those five and five months is those that type of you know that type of system. So. You mentioned you have some referrals. How are you doing referral business? Are you actively going after that or is it just happening? A little of both. You know, I make it clear when I work with a, a client that, you know, my goal is to earn their referrals, you know, especially, you know, with buyers and things I say, you know, my goal, I, I guess I just lay it out there. My goal is to earn your business and your trust so that you refer your friends and family. You're comfortable enough to do that with, you know, with me. And, and obviously, we explain the advantage of having a, a buyer's agent and buyer's representation. But we say, you know, our, our really our goal is here is to um, help you through the process and then do a good enough job to, you know, create enthusiasm so you want to tell others about us. And so we ask for it there. You know, we do I do quite a quite a few handwritten notes to past clients. You know, those always ask. We have a little sticker that says, you know, never too busy for any of your referrals. I think it's a, a system that we've used, and they have these stickers, so we we throw those in there. 
Um, so, I mean, there's somewhat of a, of a, of an effort there, but, uh, you know, a lot of it has just been, if you do good, if you do a good job for someone, you know, they'll, they will refer you. So. Sounds like you've tried a lot of experimentation, a lot of different marketing avenues. What's been your worst experience? What was the marketing that you tried that you wish you hadn't or wouldn't do again? I would say newspaper. You know, when I first got into the business, that's what everybody was doing. And it, it, I mean, it seemed like at least the, the company that I was with, everybody seemed to just have an ad in the paper. And even locally here, we're a little bit behind the times as far as the technology. And so um, the, the paper, the, uh, the classified that goes out here is still used heavily and some of the top agents still take out large sections of that. And I just made a conscious effort lately to just not, uh, for the past year, I would say now, for not to do any newspaper advertising. It's so expensive and I just didn't see the return. Um, the only return I saw was that it kept some of your sellers happy because that's what they wanted to see you do. I think newspaper is just something I just have chosen and will not do. Let's turn our attention to sellers. How many listings do you currently have? Speaking of YouTube videos, there's a group of local banks, and, and there's a, there a development down in this area in Byron, Minnesota, that went under, and there's about 62 lots. They had them listed with another agent. They didn't feel he was doing a, a, a good job to market them, and they they um, it was actually a referral from another agent they were working with up in this up in the Twin Cities area, on another foreclosed development. He saw my YouTube videos and what I was doing to market properties, and he referred, not knowing me, he called me up and said, Andy, I want you to work with these guys. I think you could be I think you'd be good at it. Your marketing plan seems to be what I think they need. It's what I do, and it seems to work up here. So he he referred me to this bank group. They contacted me. I took over the development. Now we're getting a builder involved and to actually build some spec homes on the in the development on these lots and start to move some of them. And so the majority of my lots are that. But at any given time, you know, my my I've been averaging you know 10 to 15 listings right now. Going into the winter season, I think I have about five left that are there. Actually, I have two more coming on this week. Another one next week. So there's still a, a decent amount of of, of um, listings coming on. But I would say 10 to 15 has kind of been where I've been averaging anyway. Why do sellers hire you? What is your competitive advantage? You know, I'm still trying to figure that out as well. I think when I go on a listing presentation, I I stress the differences, I guess, in myself and in this online database that I have and that they would have access to that. I've kind of explained it like a second a second MLS. I explain, you know, a lot of times your listing can get lost in the MLS. There's so many homes out there for sale that it can kind of get get lost. And so what we do is we've we've got this database of 650 buyers that are active. Some of them are already working with other agents, but we want to market your listing directly to them so they're aware of it. And as well as other agents, you know, I have all the agents' contact information in a database in RealPro Systems. So when I get a new listing, they all know about it. And so, you know, I, I think that's been my, my overall kind of in a nutshell stress is that, you know, I do things differently. One thing I explain to them is that I I don't do any newspaper advertising. And I just, I'm up front with that. I say I don't do any newspaper advertising and I do, do not do any open houses. And I explain to them, you know, if, if I'm, if you're looking for somebody to do those things, I'm just not the agent for you. The reason is because I, I feel that there's two reasons agents do those things in today's market. One is to appease the seller. It's what the seller comes to expect from a real estate agent is that they do open houses because that's what we've always done. I just don't think they say nationwide 1% of homes sell at open houses. And I think that we're better off taking our time and efforts and energy and resources and do things that actually 
create, uh, you know, and uh, and market, you know, and market these homes to potential buyers, rather than wait for them to come to us on a Saturday afternoon. I tell them, you know, most buyers that come through are neighbors and tire kickers. They haven't talked to a lender. If they're serious, they've, they've talked to a lender, they've gotten pre-approved, and they're working with an agent. And those are the people we want to market to. I tell them that the only other reason agents do open houses is because they want to meet buyers. You know, that's the front lines of real estate in their minds is that that's where they can meet these buyers. And I've kind of, you know, taken that online and have created the front lines of real estate on the Internet. And that's where these 650 buyers come into play. And so that, that's where I meet buyers. And that's where I market your home. And so... You know, we talk about Tiger Leads and that I have the license on Tiger Leads for this area. Nobody else can use Tiger Leads in this area. I'm the license holder for this for this local market, and I show them. We go into the backside of Tiger Leads. I click on Last Login, and it shows them how many people have just logged in and done a search. There's even a button that says Live View in Tiger Leads. You can click on that. It shows a map, and it shows it little little pinpoints of all the people that are currently on your site. And so that's a pretty powerful tool that we use there as well. But just explaining how we leverage the, the power of the Internet. We also provide the results that we, we've, we've uh, had. You know, We provide our, our recently um, closed properties, um, the list of those. And we also provide – I've had some – I don't know. You know I've had good uh, results with closing properties fairly quickly as well and getting them sold and for close to their asking price. And so we show them that as well, that even though in this market the average days is 160 days on market, you know, there's a lot of them that sell very quickly as well. And you got to be priced right for the condition that you're in and marketed well. And we, we kind of show them how we're going to do that. So, Do you send out a pre-listing package? I used to. I've changed the way I've, I, um, this last year, I've changed the way I did things from the first year. I used to send out a pre-listing packet, and then follow, and then you know I'd always schedule the appointment right after I thought they would get that. So I'd send it out that same day. They'd get it the next day, and we'd have the the listing appointment. And it would it would just a it was just a folder with you know a little bit about me, about some of the stuff that I do. It had my two-page marketing plan in there. It had 100 tips for preparing your home for sale, and some other basic info, some testimonies as well as a list of the recently sold properties um, that we've had. So uh, I also um, would throw some stuff in there when I moved over to Remax about Remax and the top, you know, we have locally, we have the number one market uh, share here. And so I thought that was important to throw in there as well. And so that's what I, what I would send out. I still use it, but I, I no longer go to the seller's home on the first appointment. I have them come to the office. And so uh, I no longer send that out. I have them come here. I am working on an you know, an e-listing packet is what I like to call it, similar to a pre-listing packet, but it's going to be sent out via email, and everything will be electronic, no more sending stuff in the mail. They get it immediately. It'll have, all, it'll have videos in there. It'll have links to different websites that we use so that they're prepared when they come into the office to, to understand it and to grasp what we're doing and how we're doing it differently. You said that you're bringing people into your office for the first appointment? I am. Yeah, you know, I just tell them up front, I say, hey, I do, a little thing, do things a little bit differently. And, and, and I say that just to kind of, again, prepare them for, just to set that expectation that, okay, he does do things differently. He's not going to be our, our, the normal agent that's out there and just comes over, does a walkthrough, tell them what it's worth, hope they get the listing. And, and so, you know, I, I've switched it to say, look, I do things a little differently. First appointment's at our office, and i really like to share with you what we're going to do to market your home. And so they come in. You know, basically, we we go through that. We meet at the office. The first thing we do is sit down and we just have a conversation. You know, just a heart to heart. Let them know I'm a human being, and and you know, uh, we just analyze their needs. I ask a lot of questions. 
you know, why are you, why are you selling? That seems to be the best question to ask because they just open up and then they just tell me everything and I can really decide if this is a really qualified seller. Ahead of time, I look up when they bought it, how much they paid for it and that kind of thing and, and I get an idea of what I think it's worth. And then I ask them the question, you know, what would you like to get out of your home? And they tell me. And then I ask another question. I say, well, what do you realistically think it's worth in today's market? And then I try to get, get that number out of them. And, and what, sometimes it's the same time. Sometimes it's completely different. But I think, again, it sets the expectation or it sets the appointment, uh, you know, so that I know where they're coming from. Then I go into my marketing plan, what we do differently. I sit them down in front of the computer and we just go through everything that I do step by step, you know, how I'm going to market their home. I take the approach that there's a there's two kinds of agents, not new and old, not experienced and rookie. It's it's active and passive. And I I explain, you know, the old way used to work that that passive way of throwing an ad in the paper and waiting for somebody to come to the open house. And you'd get offers and you'd sell your home that way. In today's market, it's different. You've got to go out there and find that buyer, and so or find that buyer's agent that's out there and and make your listing stand out. We explain how we do. You know, I hire a professional photographer. We don't take our own photos, and that makes a huge difference. Uh, I I share with them how we hire a stager. I have a lady that comes in and actually helps them stage the home and get it ready. So we go into those details in the marketing plan, and then. If I feel comfortable moving to the next step, because sometimes I just, you know, I, I, I found very quickly that you can waste a lot of time with an unqualified seller or buyer. And my goal with every lead is to qualify them to make sure they're a lead that we want to spend time and energy on, specifically listings, because there's a lot of money that's involved getting that listing going. So I, and I tell them up front, I say, look, you know, I don't get into price. I don't get in price until you've decided on the agent that you want to hire. And the reason I do that is because it seems like it's such a game for agents to play is to just, you know, uh, buy that listing and throw out the best price they think. And I explained that. I said, this is common in, in, in our market in real estate is that, you know, this is what agents do. And I want you to hire me based on what I'm going to do to sell your home, not based on what I tell you it's worth. And I say, you know, the market is going to determine that. We will pull the comparables and the market will tell us what it's worth, not me. And, and I say, buyers will tell us what it's worth and buyers, you know, determine value. So I explain that to them and hope that that kind of resonates with them. Some it doesn't, and I get that. And, and I say, you know, I may not be the agent for you because, I, again, I want you to hire me based on, on uh, what I'm going to do. So, uh, you know, so that's kind of the approach I, I take with it. And, um, you know, it seems to it seems to work. I mean, they, they like that I'm just kind of open and honest and blunt and just say, hey, you know, I spend a lot of time on my market analysis. I'm not just going to take 10 minutes and throw together some comparables. We actually sit down and spend some time doing this. You know, once we know that you're committed to us, we're going to commit to you and spend that time to do it. So, you know, it kind of sets the, sets the tone that we're, we're busy, we're professional. You know, we would love to help you, but we got to know that you're as, as committed to us as we are to you. And, and then we kind of go from there. So um, the next, I just tell them the next step is to set up a time for me to come see the house. But I, but I, but I ask them before we do that, are you ready to list with me? And most of them say, yeah, absolutely. Some of them say, well, we need to talk about it. And I say, that's fair you know, go home and talk about it. When you're ready, I'm here to help. And so, you know, we wait for the phone call. And in some cases we get it and some we don't. The ones that we don't, you know, I typically, there's a reason I don't pursue that listing. Usually it's one that I think is going to be, I can tell they're going to be way overpriced and it may not be one that I want to take on. And so I'm just picky about that. Um, not only does that help me because I don't waste time on listings I don't think are going to sell, but it also you know, I mean, it, it sets a tone, and I think these sellers, they they um, 
They sense that. They sense your tone. Are you desperate for this listing? Or are you busy and you'd love to help, but you know, things, we have to be reasonable. And, and so in this market, that seems to kind of help me you know, pull, the, pull the, better, the better listings and, and, and um, you know, quicker closings. So. Are you getting them to sign a listing at this in-office interview, or are you waiting to do that if they call you and you go back out and you do an actual CMA? Well, it depends. If they're ready to sign, we have them sign. We just leave the, the, um, you know, the listing date open as far as you know, when we're going to actually hit the market. We do explain that you know, we will only do a six-month listing, and so that's what we stick, stick to. So we just, we just kind of time it out six months and then leave the, um, you know, the listing date open so that way when we actually hit the market. But we say everything else will be filled out, you can sign here, and then you know, we're committed to each other. So you do ask them to sign a listing agreement right there on your original appointment in the office. Correct. If they're not ready, we say that's no problem. We understand. Go home. You know, if they say the, if they say, well, we need to talk about it when we ask them, are you ready to list with us? We don't just pull out the contract and say sign here. We just, you know, ask. So, you know, I just ask, are are, are you ready to list? Uh, are you ready to list with us? And and I don't know why I always say us and 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 thing. It's just me. But are you ready to list with us? Uh, you know, either tell me, yeah, yeah, we're ready. Let's do it. And so I pull out the contract, we sign it, and, and we move forward. Or they say, well, we, we need to talk about it. If it's a couple, that it's pretty common. Um, we need to talk about it, and we'll, we'll let you know. So I say, yeah, no problem. Sounds great. You know, we're, we're, we'll love to help. And so, you know, they go home. We get a phone call. Then we set up the next appointment. But before I spend any time getting the stager out there or money getting the stager out there and time in the listing, we have them sign that because we've got to know, you know, that we're, we've got the listing. So you're getting signed listing agreements before you see the home. Yes, typically I know the home. I do kind of my back end, my research. I want to make sure it's a listing that I want to take for the most part. And, you know, the other thing is I, I kind of preface it as well where I say, you know, um, we don't take every listing. I tell them that. We don't take every listing. We'd want to know that you're going to be, you know, reasonable with the price and that, and that we're going to be able to sell your home. If we don't think we can sell it, we're not going to waste your time. And so we just, I'm up front with that. And, you know, they, they like that, it seems. I mean, again, it's all kind of been trial and error for me because, you know, I'm new and I'm, I'm kind of learning as I go and taking bits and pieces from other agents and trying to use things. But it seems to work. And I like that approach because, again, you know, it just sets a, a tone that, you know, we're, we're, we're helpful. We're more than happy to help. We want to help you sell but we got to be realistic and we don't take every listing. And so they almost kind of want you to list their home if you don't, if you don't, if you don't look desperate, you know? So anyway, that's, and then if we find out that they're going to be a hundred grand over what we think it's worth or, you know, unreasonable amount um, over what we think the value is, we may say, look, we know we signed this listing agreement, but you know, we got to be reasonable and, you know, we want to list your home, but, you know, we have the conversation about price and we talk about days on market versus list price and sales price and that kind of thing. And we show them statistics and, you know, we've had pretty good luck with people being reasonable about their price. Uh, and if they're not, you know, we, we both kind of walk away in the listing appointment. We, you know, again, we say that we say, you know, if we're going to work together, we kind of reserve the right to, you know, make sure I get, I guess when we, let me step back. When we are going through the listing contract, we say, look, now, obviously, we want to take, we've decided we want to take your listing, but knowing we haven't seen the home and what we're going to price it at yet because we haven't done a CMA, you know, we kind of set them up to know that, look, we want, we, if, as long as you're going to be reasonable and as long as uh, we think we can sell your home after we see it, then we'll continue with the listing. So, but at least they've committed 
in their minds and on paper that they're going to work with us before we spend a ton of time, you know, going and doing a market analysis. Do you have a canned listing presentation? Are you using a presentation book or your computer? Or are you just doing this off the top of your head? Well, computer and then an iPad, if, if I happen to be not in my office, let's say we meet somewhere else, a coffee shop or whatever, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's just a presentation that's either through a PowerPoint Depending on depending on what computer I'm on in the office and different resources room different resource rooms in my office I use an Apple you know so we use their system but and then on the iPad of course but otherwise it's just kind of a PowerPoint presentation and then we have our websites up live on there as well we kind of toggle back and forth showing them some of the things that we're doing we show them some of the videos and and kind of you know show them everything we're doing live right there. You mentioned a stager. Who pays for the stager? Do you pay for the stager or does the homeowner? Nope, I do pay for that, you know, and that's one of the advantages that you'd asked about is is that, uh, you know, we pay for the stager, we pay for a professional photographer. And we also do a video tour. I guess I'd forgotten to mention that. We, you know, we do a video tour on all of our listings. I do the video, so the cost isn't much. The time, it's time intensive, but, you know, the cost isn't a whole lot. You know, but yeah, we, we pay for the stager to come out. She does a written consultation, so she's not out there actually moving their furniture. Some people aren't fans of that, but she comes out, does a written consultation room by room, what she suggests that they should do. You know, a lot of times I've talked to her ahead of time to say, hey, we really got to get the carpet replaced in the basement. You know, make sure that you bring that up when you're out there. You know, so, so we, do, we do that once they've, once they've committed to us and we, we know it's a listing we want to take. How much is that costing you? How much does it cost to have a stager give a consultation? I have a stager. We, she does it for $99, I think is what it is. Yeah, 99 bucks. I think she spends an hour and a half with them, uh, typically. She's been really good. She kind of, you know, whatever needs to happen, she just gets it done. So whatever time it takes her. But yeah, I think it's about, a, about 100 bucks for her to go out and do a staging consult. So she makes recommendations. If you're going to move forward and actually start moving furniture around or changing furniture out, is there additional charges for the stager? If she's doing the work, yes, she'll even do personal shopping for the people. She'll bring in furniture if they need to. You know, the majority of the listings I've dealt with, let's, it's been one of those things that we just work with what we have. A lot of it's been painting and using this color. She'll bring color samples, and she'll say replace light fixtures. If I tell her that I want her to do something, then she does it. But I guess the whole idea, it's not so much about one of it is that, you know, I, I kind of enjoy that staging side of it because to me it's marketing. How are we going to market your home? Well, we're going to make it look a certain way. But she's a professional and it allows her to be the bad guy and not me. I think that's the best part about it because I hate telling people that, you know, uh, the pictures that their son drew them on the, on the refrigerator need to go. That's hard to do. And so she can do that. She doesn't mind. And it keeps me kind of uh, the good guy. So uh, I'd say that's probably one of our the better advantages of doing it. If she were to do more service other beyond the consultation, I assume there's more charge. Would you pick up the charge or does the homeowner? I only pick up the staging consult. If they decide, yes, we want to rent some furniture, yes, we want to do this, then, then that would be up to them and, and they'd have to handle it. How about your photographer? You, you said a professional photographer. How much is that running you per listing? I think that's $99 as well. It's, it's through OBO. Um, and they have, it's a national company. They have local photographers. The local guy is great because he uses a, such a wide-angle lens. It makes the, home, the, the rooms look 
big on the internet. People people always comment how how great they look, and then he always goes back home and edits them on his computer, and then he emails them to you the next day. We do the there's a there's different packages you can do in there. We don't do any you know um, panoramic shots or any um, you know 360 virtual tour type things. We just do 25 still photos because that allows us on Realtor.com if you have 25 or more photos, you end up higher in the in the results. So we we do the 25 photos. They you know, like I said, edit them and then send them send them to us the next day, and then we use them in all our marketing. So anyway, that's it's through OBO. I think that's obeo.com is the is the website. And then we do our own, like I mentioned, we do our own video tour separately. What does that mean? You're walking through the house with a camera? Yeah, you know, I've experimented different things with it. I've I've had somewhere in the beginning, I'll talk, I'll say something. It'll be me standing in the kitchen. It'll be a still image. It'll just say, hey. Hey, it's Andy Mulholland with Remax of Rochester and the Handy Andy Realtor team. And we've got a great new listing for you today. It's got an updated kitchen and brand new this and brand new that and, and whatever the case might be. And just a little spiel about myself. And I remind them, check us out online. And then we go into the video where the first shot is always kind of a pan shot outside in the front of the house. And then we kind of zoom in on the front door. Then the next shot starts and we're walking through the front door. We do kind of a walkthrough through the entire house, slow and steady. And then... Uh, we do, you know, if there's a backyard or something, we do like an outside shot as well. And so then we go back and edit it. Sometimes we do voiceovers. I've, I've experimented with that, and that seems to be really uh, a good thing. Um, we're in the beginning, and I'll say, welcome to 3862 Hauling Place Southwest, located on a cul-de-sac in southwest Rochester, just minutes from Bamber Ridge Park, and then we should do a shot of the park. So we kind of, you know, walk through the video doing kind of a, a, a voiceover. So I've experimented with that. I think that's the route I'm going to continue to go. In the beginning, I didn't really do that. I would just do pop-ups with like within the video editor. It would pop up a little tag, and it would say three bedrooms. And then a minute later, when they were walking by the bathrooms, it would say two bathrooms. And I, I, I want them to get to know me a little more and get to know my voice. And so we do that voiceover uh, part of it uh, lately. So anyway, that's kind of the walk walkthrough tour. How many buyers are you currently working with? Well, 650 in my categories. No, um, <laughs> you know, I consider each one of them a buyer. They're a potential buyer. They may not be ready today, but they will be eventually, most of them. And so I may only get a small percentage of that, but I look at each one of them as a buyer. Now, active buyers, let's see, I have, I have a big board in my office. It's kind of the only old school thing that I still do. It's a big whiteboard, marker board. And so I have you know, I have it. Uh, I have automotive pinstripe that have have created these lines in it where I can write down each buyer, their name, their price range, uh, their lender, what city and area that they're looking to buy in, what specifics in a home that they need, and then I I put a um, a C with a circle next to it if they're under a contract. If they aren't if they aren't yet, then they aren't under uh, with the C. But this information is there. So when I log in every morning and look at my MLS, the, the hot sheet of all the new listings, I can kind of glance up and down and say, okay, oh yeah, uh, Jim was looking for this and that might work for him. I should email it off to him. So it's kind of a quick glance at some of my more active buyers. Those are the ones that will buy, you know, within the next 30 to 60 days. And right now, one, two, three, four, I'm looking at it right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight are sitting in that, on that board at the moment. I mean, two of them, actually, we just made offers on over the weekend, so it may be narrowed down, but um, that's kind of my hot, my hot, buyer hot board, I guess. Why would a buyer hire you? What is your competitive advantage? I don't have a buyer presentation for the most part. I've tried different things. You know, I guess my overall policy has been I'll show you I'll show you one 
set of homes. So one time we'll go out and look at homes. After that, you need to decide if you want to work with me or not. You know, so I'll spend that time to, to do that. And then after that, we're, we need to be in a contract together. And I explained why. You know, I use different analogies. One being, you know, if you're going to go to court and you don't want the, you know, you don't want the defendant to, uh, the defendant's attorney to, to represent both sides. You want your own representation. And it'd be the same thing when you go to buy a home. You don't want to go talk directly to the listing agent because they represent the seller. They're looking out for their best interest. So I say most buyers in today's market have their own agent. And, and this is kind of a script for like a first-time buyer. Maybe somebody that hasn't experienced this before or isn't aware that there's a difference. So it's funny because a lot of the older buyers, any older buyers that I've worked with, don't realize that there's a difference because in their day, there was no MLS. You had to go to the listing company to look at one of their properties. So maybe that's what they're used to. And then first-time buyers just, you know, maybe not, maybe not aware of it yet that that's the way it works. So we just have that conversation. Before I really get into buyer's representation, I to be honest, my strategy is to overwhelm them a little bit. So for example, let's say I get a call, whatever, wherever it comes from, it's just a, you know, a, a sign call or somebody online on, on a listing calls or whatever the case might be. They want to see a home or maybe they email me and they want to see a home. We go out and I say, yep, yeah, no problem. We'll go out and look at it. I try not to get too into what they're what they're trying to do here. Have they talked to a lender? I try not to get into that too much. I say, yeah, no problem. We're happy to open it up for you. So I go out and meet them. And then once we're face-to-face, I, I seem to have a better, seem to be better at that as opposed to over the phone. They can meet me, shake my hand, see that I'm a normal human being. And, and, and um, you know, they see the handy Andy Mobile pull up and they, they look at that and say, this guy must be pretty intense because <laughs> he's driving that thing. And so uh, that seems to work for me. So we meet at the house and then we show them the house. I just let them walk through. I'm not all over their back. I'm not asking them questions too much, depending on the buyer. Some of them want to talk, and that's fine. Um, you get a feel for that. The ones that don't, we just let them walk through. And then afterwards, we start a conversation. I say, so, so you've talked to a lender. Is this in the price range that he told you you should be in? And if, they, if yeah, then yeah, we can go that route. And I know they're approved. If not, and I, they say, well, we haven't talked to a lender. I said, oh, well, you know, it's, it's important. It's an important first step. And I try to overwhelm them with, why it's so important. I talk about, it seems like financing, the financing side overwhelms people. So I talk about the difference between FHA and conventional. I say, you know, on a lot of these um, homes, they may not pass FHA uh, appraisal. And so it's important to know which one. And, and so they realize that I have a lot of good information. And then at the end, I say, you know, I'm very not pushy. And I say, hey, you know, has anybody talked about agency relationships? And most of them say, no, what is that? And so we explain, you know, there's a difference between a buyer's agent and a seller's agent. When you call the listing agent, they represent the sellers and they're looking out for their best interest. You know, you may want to have your own representation in a buyer. And I explain, it doesn't cost anything. We get paid by the seller, you know, but at least you have somebody in your corner fighting for you and negotiating on your behalf. And so it intrigues them. And, and, and then we just, I, I, I just say, you know, I'd love to be that person, but whoever it is, you need to find someone that can show you homes and represent you. And I say, you don't want to go to the listing agent and tell them all this, all the information about you, you know, when you're planning to move, how much you're approved for, because they're obligated to tell the sellers that. And so, you know, it kind of puts a little fear in them like, oh, we could make a mistake if we call a listing agent, we better call Andy back. So that seemed to have helped. Um, I don't have to be pushy. They call me and say, Andy, you know, we, we talked about it. We want you to help us. And in the meantime, they've, I have their email. I have their phone number. They've, they're in our system. They're starting to get our videos. They see the top picks video. They see a video we've, we've maybe sent out about being a move up buyer, whatever the case might be. So, so that's kind of the way we approach um, buyers and, and leads coming in wanting to see, see listings. You mentioned you don't have a formal buyer presentation. 
what you basically do is you'll go out and show them the first home and try to make a personal relationship. Yep, absolutely. I think that for, for me anyway, that has seemed to work and seemed to seem to help. Now, I have done it where I've actually had them come to the office. I've tried it a few different ways. And the ones that the ones that call, you know, that you know, I've tried it with these tiger leads where I say, well, you know, I've pushed them a little more and I say, why don't you come to the office and I'll explain some of the stuff to you. It just hasn't gone over well. I think buyers are just afraid that someone's going to rope them into a contract. And so, you know, they're they're afraid of that and they just hesitate. So, I found that, you know, if I can if I can um encourage a showing, that's not scary. They can just go look at the house and and I'm nice about it and we get there and then I explain, you know, that there's an advantage to having an agent and they seem to respond to that. So, have you had the problem where they want to see a second property, a second showing, but they don't want to sign the buyer agency agreement? Yep, I have. Some people just don't want to. And at that point, I I walk away. I mean, I, I just explain, you know, I've, I, I want to be committed to you, but I have to know that you're committed to me as well. And if they're, if they're just unwilling to do that, I just say, you know what, best of luck to you. I, I'm not able to. And I've had people do that. They say, you know, well, I think it's better to have a ton of agents out there looking for you, you know, as opposed to one. And I said, well, you know, in this market, it's not so much about having agents out there looking for homes for you. I mean, you have access to the same information that we have. And here's a site I have set up where you can have access to the same new listings that I have. I'll keep you posted on new listings that meet your criteria. But with today's technology, we can keep you updated without physically having to do that for you. I say the real reason you need a buyer's agent is to negotiate on your behalf and be looking out for your best interests. You know, if you have a ton of agents out there looking for you and they're all chasing homes for you because that's what you want, how desperate do you think they must be because they need business that they don't know they're going to get in the end? You know, so so really look at that. And so I kind of have that conversation with them and bring up those points. Some it helps, some it doesn't. The ones that are set on not having a, a specific agent, they're they're just going to be set with that. And somebody's going to end up representing them in the end. You know, it's most likely going to be the listing agent. And that's too bad for them. But some people, you just can't, you know, you just can't change their mind about that. So uh, you just got to count your losses. You showed them one. At least you didn't show them 10 and, and walk away. You've been doing this all by yourself as a sole practitioner up until you said a month ago and you've hired your first person. What made you decide to hire someone? You know, it's one of those things. You're only worth what you can pay someone to do the same job. And so... I mean, I was doing all this uploading to Craigslist and all these, you know, scanning documents in and saving them to certain files and things and just decided it was time. It's a, it's a scary step because it's a whole, now I'm responsible for somebody else's paycheck, not just mine. I mean, so it was kind of a scary step. But books that I've read, you know, they all kind of this summed it up in the same way and saying, you know, it's never too early to get your first assistant. I mean, you always wish you would have done it earlier. And that is the case. I mean, I wish I would have had her last year uploading a lot of these things. Maybe it would have moved quicker or whatever the case might be. But I'm glad I did. You know, it's a learning curve for me because I tend to be more of a hands-on person. It's hard for me to let control go to somebody else. But as long as you have a system in place, an assistant can be a great asset to a sole proprietorship type, type real estate company. Did you hire someone full-time or part-time? Part-time right now. She just comes in two days a week uh, from nine to five. So, you know, at this point it's part-time. I have it somewhat set up where she's going to be able to work from home for the most part because all my stuff is cloud-based where she can access it from anywhere with a computer, which, which might be helpful, you know, for a number of reasons for her schedule, but then also to be able to, you know, cut down on overhead costs at an office, you know, to pay for another office space. What is she going to be doing for you? Well, at this point, she does all of our Craigslist 
ads. So what I've done is created HTML code for these ads that I want on Craigslist. And so what she does is copies and pastes that. It's very simple. She copies and pastes that code. She doesn't have to know HTML. She can just grab it, throw it into Craigslist, and do that regularly. And I have a schedule for her. Every Monday she does certain ones. Every Wednesday she does certain ones. She uploads all of our listings to Craigslist. She you know, again, talking about some of the tagging and things, you can do alt tags for photos within your website. So search engines don't recognize pictures, they recognize text. And so when you do alt tags behind your photos, the, the um, search engines grab that. So whenever we have a new listing, there's 25 photos, she goes in and adds alt tags to all the photos. So that's one thing she does. You know, I've had a little bit of a struggle because she's not full-time, so I can't. There's certain tasks she could very easily do and do great at, but because she's not here every day, I can't have her do them. For example, showing feedback, you know, asking for feedback from agents. That needs to be done on a daily basis, and it's a very simple process, but she, she can't do it. She's not here every day. So the, the goal is to eventually move towards uh, her being here full-time, but at this point, you know, just kind of doing a trial run, see how it works. She's here two days a week. She does our weekly blog post for um, our market update. So it's not our video, but it's just a text blog post. A lot of it is just to try to, again, working, um, not only provide some good information, but SEO, doing a weekly blog post about the local market. So she does that. And then just a number of uh, other clerical things uh, as well. You mentioned that it might be more helpful if she were there each day. Why did you decide to do two full days during the week rather than half days Monday through Friday? Part of it was her schedule. You know, she does have another job as well, another part-time job. So part of it was just working around that schedule. And I think that's just the reality of having a part-time employee is just, you know, obviously they're going to be working somewhere else as well. So, so yeah, I think that was probably the biggest reason. And you know, sometimes it's nice to be able to just focus. At, some, at this point, sometimes I'm finding myself making sure she always has things to do throughout the day. And so if she was here every day, that might, you know, be a daily task as opposed to twice a day. So it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm, I've never had someone uh, working for me before, and so I've always worked for someone else. And so it's kind of a new thing for me, but it's been good so far. Are you paying her per hour or how are you paying her? Yep, she is paid per hour at this point. You know, when, when uh, she actually worked at the previous company that I worked for, she worked as a receptionist there, so she was familiar with how this how things worked in our MLS system and entering new 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 uh, listings and photos and things. So I asked her when she got into it if she'd be you know if she'd consider ever getting her license and maybe uh, becoming a licensed agent. And she she may, and so if we get to that point down the road, you know, then things would change. But at this point, she is kind of just an hourly uh, hourly staffed person. Sounds like you found her through personal relationship. You just already knew her. Yeah, I did, you know, but it was kind of funny because we had, you know, uh, we hadn't been in touch for a year and she was, I, I assumed she was still working there and it turns out she wasn't, but another person I knew saw on my Facebook page that I was looking to hire an assistant and they told her and she said, I know him, I should, you know, so she called and we got together, so. Are you profitable? Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's the best part of the, the best part of it so far as, you know, a lot of this is not, um, it's creativity, which doesn't cost anything other than some some time, you know. I mean, I I have put a lot of hours into all this stuff, a lot of thought, and I and it may not a lot of the stuff. It turns out it, maybe it wasn't the best thing to do, but you learn from it and you move on. But you know, as far as cost, there's some you got to take some risks. I remember when I first got into the business, I had a, a notepad full of these people's names that I had talked to, and it was getting so full. I realized I have got to do something different, and so I 
I wasn't making any money at that point. It was the first two months in the business. And I thought, what can I do? I had to fork over a little money to, to have a system in place. And so I got a top producer. It was 50 bucks a month for their basic top producer, 8i. It tracked all my leads. I could track my listings, my closings, all the stuff. I set up action plans in there with emails and phone call reminders. And that was the single best thing I could do to kind of jumpstart uh, my, my business and it was 50 bucks a month. It was a big deal to me then. I, my budget was $0 a month, but I did that and it makes sense. Tiger Leads was another kind of another jump that I had to take because that's not a cheap you know, thing to do either. And you can spend endless amounts on you know, these pay-per-click ads if you'd like, but you know, and then you have to pay for the licensing fee to be your, your local licensee. But you know, it's paid for itself and then some and more than, more than that. So it's been, and I don't think I've seen all the results yet from even the past four months. I think as everybody knows in real estate, you know, what you're doing today affects what what's going to happen next year. And so I think I will see that continue to continue. But yeah, you've got to fork it over. But being profitable, absolutely. I mean, um, from a small percentage of what I bring in is, is put back into it. A decent percentage, but it's not uh, not a huge amount. It's just more about that creativity. And then believing in yourself. I think that confidence, clients see right through you. And especially on listings, if you're confident but not cocky and you provide that good information, you know, there's no no stopping you. So, you've mentioned the tiger leads and the expense. What kind of expenses associated there? What have you budgeted for that? With the licensing fee and the amount of marketing that I'm doing, the paper, you know, you give them a specific budget. I'm going to say, look, Tiger Leads, I want to spend this much this month on these pay-per-click ads. And once it runs out, you're done. They try to help you figure out what your local market can handle based on your population then uh, you know they, they tell you what you should expect to spend each month. And I spend about $1,800 a month on my Tiger Leads marketing. So uh, that's, that's uh, with everything kind of in there, my, my pay-per-click dollars and uh, my licensing fee. I think the licensing fee is $950 a month, and then over, that, over and above that I spend on the pay-per-click marketing. One of my next steps with that is to start to add some buyer's agents in the office. Not necessarily a team. I haven't decided if I want to bring them on board with me or um, just other agents in the office that are hungry for these leads. There's more than enough to go around. They may be able to do just as good or a better job of me as, as I am at um, incubating them and maybe even show them more attention than I can because it's starting to add up to be a lot of leads in there. But then, uh, you know, have them pay a, a fee each month to um, uh, have access to the leads. They'd get an admin side well where they could log into just their leads that are assigned to them and then pay a, a referral fee on each closing. So um, that's something I'm you know, kind of exploring as well and talking to a few agents in the office about. Could you tell somebody what, either what your profit margin is or what you're trying to hit as a goal? You know, I would say at this point, you know, I mean, um, based on what I did last year, I guess I, I, at the end of the year, I would be able to tell you a better number. But so far, uh, so far this year, you know, with everything that's involved, all the costs that are involved based on, on um, you know, what I've been doing, I would say I'm in that 30%, that 20 to 30% range uh, based on what I'm spending and what I'm bringing in. So in my opinion, it's, I don't know that I'll get much better than that. Maybe I can shave it off a little bit more. Um, adding an assistant now adds that, but I see that, you know, she's only been on a couple months. What she's doing will show results maybe next year. Andy, when you say that, do you mean that your costs are in the 20 to 30% range or your net profit? I should say my net profit is in the 70% range. I mean, yeah, my costs are about 30% based on what I'm bringing in. How do you keep control of your time? <laughs> that's, the, that's the toughest part, I would say. Not only, you know, business time when you're at the office, but family time. I think, 
you know, getting into it, my wife and I talked about this. It's going to be a, it's going to be an investment. I see it as an investment. I'm going to have to put the time into it, you know, so that, so that hopefully I have this, this business that, you know, continues to, to operate and do, and does so without so much uh, labor involved and I can have systems in place and become more efficient. But I would say, you know, Google, Google Calendar is what I use because I can access it from anywhere. My iPhone, my iPad, my home computer, the office computer, uh, the, the um, hotel computer, wherever I might be, I can access that calendar and keep, keep on track. What I do is in the morning, I have office work, and then any appointments will be in the afternoon unless, obviously there's exceptions unless somebody's scheduled that doesn't work. But office, I'm in the office in the morning, and I have certain things. When I, when I get in the morning, I block out an hour for Tiger. I call it Tiger time, and that first hour is me checking these leads. Um, then I have files. The next hour is files um, where I'm working on the current files for that for that week or that day that need to be uh, you know touched. And then... Um, what else? You know, every Monday we do the market update. I've now transferred that to my assistant. She does that, pulls the data from the MLS and, and uploads that to our blog. But, you know, every Thursday we do the market minutes video. So in the morning, things are scheduled out. Obviously, you can't always stick to what's there, but you try your best. You know, you have I have in there, you know, business development is another one. And then on a separate sheet of paper, I have some things throughout the week. I just jot down what I want to work on for that for that week, that upcoming week. So blocking out time, I use Google Calendar and then keep your appointments in the afternoon and actually schedule that stuff in. So for the last four hours of the day, maybe from you know one to five or whatever, block out a specific appointment and then maybe showings from six to eight PM, you know, or whatever whatever however it works, but appointments in the evening, afternoons. And then I don't do opens on the weekend, so I'm available on the on Saturdays to do showings. Unless I absolutely have to, I only work till noon on Saturdays, and then I take Saturday afternoons and Sundays off, and that's family time. And, and I realize that that probably, you know, I'm losing some business by not working those weekends, but I've just made a conscious decision that that's going to be my family time. Uh, we go to church on Sundays, and that's important to us. And so that's for me to continue to be in the business and not be burned out. I have got to do it. And uh, I'm glad I do. So, How many hours do you think you work in a typical week? This time of year, it starts to slow down a little bit. I usually try to try to be done at five. Of course, if there's appointments, that's different. But if I don't have an appointment for the day or it's before five, I try to end at five, if at all possible. And, you know, most days it's it ends up being later because somebody calls and wants to see a house and, and it just works out to do it in the evening. So in the slower times, I'm probably working maybe 50 hours or 40 to 50 hours a week. Um, I'm here every single day and then working Saturdays. Oftentimes, I'll come in on Saturday morning to the office if I don't have appointments to just work on stuff because people love it when you call them on Saturday. And they just think that you're actually, you know, you're hard, you're hard at work. Then busy, busy season. I mean, it's every day, you know, 9 a.m., sometimes 8 a.m. I usually hit the office at 9, and then it could be 8, 9 o'clock at night. I remember, you know, multiple times this past summer where I was in the office till 10 p.m. writing offers and scanning them in and sending them off. And so, you know, in that time, it's probably 60 and then the max 80 hours a week where you're, you know, just just pumping it away seven days a week. Sometimes in the summer, you got to, I mean, you got to forfeit those weekends once in a while if there's offers to be written, I guess. But uh, yeah, so it can it can be labor intensive. One of the reasons to get an assistant because now during the day when I'm here at the office, I can be doing things that you know create more income as opposed to just busy work, and she can be doing some of the stuff that's very important, but can you know be done by her. So, Andy, what drives you? A number of things. I think for the most part, it is being you know the absolute best that I can be, whatever that ends up to be. You know, I, I think that that is something I've seen it in my dad. He started a business in the 90s and, and it's successful here in town. And, 
and I, you know, learned a lot from him and, and just the way he his work ethic. But, you know, I also have other drives as well, and that would be I love watching myself kind of uh, creep up in the rankings in the MLS. That's kind of a driving thing that I can look at uh, regularly and say, okay, I'm doing better, I'm doing better in comparison to, you know, the, the other agents in our market. Everybody's in the same market, and I'm obviously um, doing things right because I'm growing there. You know, the number of, of closings is uh, something I have right in my office, right next to my door. I have a, a sheet, and at the beginning of the year, it had 40 spaces, and that was my goal is to sell 40 units. Each month, I would, or, you know, each closing, I would fill it out. I would check whether they were a buyer or seller, and then the date that they closed, that was right in my, it's right at eye level. So whenever I leave, it's right there. It's taped to the wall, and I can't leave the office you know, with guilt. So feeling like I didn't make that phone call, I didn't send out that note. I mean, I see that board and it reminds me to go back in and do that last thing so I can hit that 40. You know, November 1st of 2011, I had my 40th closing. And so, you know, that is a, that's a driving factor for me, that piece of paper, as little as it might seem, it's, it's there and it's constantly reminding me. You know, my family, my wife, we have a 18 month old son and another son on the way that's due in January. And she's a nurse at the Mayo Clinic at the moment. She works very hard. We are. She's able to cut back as I've as I've kind of grown, but we're a little hesitant because she's got a great solid job. And um, maybe I just got lucky for two years, and and uh, and the next next year is going to be tough. I don't know. And so you know, for her to be able to stay be a stay at home mom would be great. We're not there yet. I want to have some consistent income that is uh, over a number of years before she's ready to just stay at home. And so, you know, that's. Uh, that's a goal of mine and a driving factor is to get her home and, and, you know, that's what she wants. So, so those are a few things, you know, I mean, obviously there are little things as well. There's in the office rivalries are very competitive. I'm an agent next, next to me, the agent, uh, we're similarly aged and our first year, we both came from the same company where we both started and moved to Remax. And, and um, in our first year at the old company, we, you know, had a steak dinner challenge where whoever got to 25 sales first, the other person had to buy them a steak dinner. And so that was a challenge. So it's, it's that, that, that healthy, competitive nature that you know, I think every agent has to have, and I've got that as well. So, If you were to advise a brand new agent just getting into the business, what would you tell them to do first? Well, you know, I'm <laughs> still new myself. So some of the same stuff I'm doing is, you know, I think you don't have to recreate the wheel, but you have to make it your own wheel, I guess. And so, you know, some of the stuff that I'm doing, I guess I feel like it's the same core principles. It's good follow-up. It's, you know, treating people right. It's, you know, just being genuine and doing those things and, and you'll, you'll be successful. Obviously, there's other things involved. You got to be smart. You got to be financially capable and able. You know, one of the best things I did before getting in real estate, which, you know, I felt like it was, you know, maybe God signed to say, it's okay, Andy, you can go ahead and do it now and get into real estate. And that is, was to go through the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University and become debt-free. My wife and I worked very hard um, she did a lot of overtime. I got a second job as a limo driver, and it was not the funnest job, but it paid the bills and anything extra. We paid off student loans and car loans, and we became debt-free. That allowed me to not make money for six months, and, and we were okay. So I think it seems like that's the biggest reason maybe agents come in and out so quickly is they got to have a paycheck, and it may take six to eight months to get that. And so I was able to walk into it without that expectation and that need. And not only did it allow me to stay into it after, you know, two, three months without having a paycheck, but it set this mindset, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, um, people can read you very, very well, I think. And, and so 
you know, when you're confident, they read that. But when you are under pressure to have to sell a home, they read that. And when you're financially strapped and, and you have to sell a home to pay the bills, they can sense that. And I think they, they hesitate. And so not, I think that's probably my best advice is to set yourself up financially so that you can focus on what you need to do and have the mindset that you are there to serve and not to sell and, and you'll be you know, successful. You know, it comes with hard, you got to have hard work and you got to have, you got to be smart and creative and some of that stuff as well. But getting through that first year is probably what it's going to take. And financially, you got to be able to do that. So, Andy, I've come to the end of my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about that we haven't addressed? I would like to talk about something that is free that I have had, that I suggest for everybody, and that is Dropbox using Dropbox as a cloud system, a cloud file storage system. I don't have any paper files in my office. As soon as a file comes in, we scan it in and it gets sent to Dropbox. And Dropbox, like I said, is a cloud system. It's free up to a certain number, a certain amount of storage. Um, and then you can pay per month for more. I, I have tons in there and I still am on the free side of it. But what you can do is scan stuff in, send it to Dropbox, files, pictures, documents, whatever the case might be, and access that from any device or computer. You can download it to your smartphone. You can download it to your iPad. You said you can go on any computer and log into Dropbox.com, log into your account, and access your files. And that has allowed me to have, be a mobile agent, which I think is very important, especially if you're, if you're just you all on your own. Because for my car, I can access all my files. On the weekend, I don't have to run to the office and grab my files. I could just log into Dropbox, grab the purchase agreement, email it to the other agent. So that's been really helpful. Check that out, Dropbox.com. The other one is DocuSign. I think every agent has to have this. This is like a $19 a month fee, but it's electronic signatures. And it has saved, I would pay, I don't tell DocuSign this, but I would pay probably four to five times or more than that for, for their service because it allows me to not have to go out to a person's home and get a signature. It allows me to market myself as more of a techie agent because I can explain to my sellers, look, when a buyer really likes your property, we, they don't have to hesitate because they're out of town this week and I can just email them the purchase agreement and they can click the sign and, and you know, we can move forward with the sale. And it, the clients like it because they don't have to come to the office to sign something every time or they don't have to scan it in and email it back. All they do is, you know, I, sign, I, I scan in a document, whether it's a purchase agreement or something else, I, I fill out where they need to sign and, they, and I email it to them. All they do is pull it up and then click to sign electronically. So that's been a lifesaver for me, DocuSign. You know, and then having some sort of uh, mobile access to your MLS. I use an iPad, like I said, and it allows me to, we're at a property, they say, you know, Andy, this really, especially if it's a first-time buyer that I've just met them, and they're at the house, and they say, Andy, this really isn't what we were looking for, but thanks for showing it to us. I can say, well, stop right there. Let's see what else might fit your criteria. We pull up the MLS, I do a search. You know, uh, it shows me everything that's in the neighborhood. I can see if I can show it, if it's vacant. Hey, this one's vacant right across the street. It's in your price range. It's what you're looking for. Let's go run and look at it. And so having that mobile access has been, has been so big for me to be able to, you know, keep a lead or keep a buyer once I've met them at a home. It's been really helpful. Uh, and then they obviously on an iPad, they can sign as well. So I have documents loaded in there. There's a, an app called Sign and Send where they can just, upload the document. I can pull the docu document from Dropbox on my iPad into Sign and Send, which is another app, which are both free, by the way, sign with their finger or a stylus right on the document, email it to the other agent. So I've done this multiple times with, uh, for example, uh, inspection. After the inspection, buyer says, yeah, everything looks good. We're ready to move forward. Well, 
if I didn't bring a, a document, I, I don't have to have papers with me. I can just pull up, you know, a release of inspection contingency form and fill it out, have them sign at the bottom, boom, send it to the other agent, send it to my front office, send it to the closing company, and everybody's moving forward with a pending sale. So it, it expedites things. It allows you to be a multi-agent, multi-staffed business, but be by yourself. So um, that's been helpful. So those things I wanted to make a mention of that I've, I've found really helpful on the free. Well, Andy, you're a wealth of ideas and information. You're creative, thoughtful, flexible, and passionate. You've been able to quickly reshape your business into a lead magnet. Your handy Andy Realtor model is pulling prospects to you faster than you can handle. It's a good thing you finally hired some help. I predict your future will continue to shine bright. Thank you again for being our Rising Agent of the Month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent Interview of the Month Club, where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.